Greetings, Crosspoint Church, and friends of Crosspoint. This today, February the 28th, is the eighth and last sermon in our It's an Upside Down World sermon series taken from the Sermon on the Mount. And we're at the very end of Matthew chapter 7 today, verses 21 through 27. And then beginning next week and through the months of March and April, we're going to be preaching a sermon series from the Apostles' Creed. We're going to try to work through the creed a phrase at a time, a phrase a week. title of the series is simply, We Believe. And uh, the, the series will feature uh, a guest speaker twice, Dr. Steve Lennox, who's the president of Kingswood University, will be joining us and will be doing two of those sermons, and we look forward to that in April, in March and April. Now, Father, as we look to the Word this morning, I pray that it would be clear that as we often say, quoting your Word, let the Word be sharper than a double-edged sword able to pierce to the quick. Speak to us, I pray, today. In Jesus' name, amen. Hollywood released the movie titled What Lies Beneath in 1999. They called it a spine-tingling thriller. Harrison Ford plays college professor Norman Spencer, the perfect husband to wife Claire, played by Michelle Pfeiffer. They live in rural Connecticut. They seem to be a happily married couple. The story itself centers around the sudden and inexplicable disappearance of one of Norman's students. And as his wife Claire becomes obsessed with solving this mystery, Norman is a model of support and understanding for his wife and concern for the missing student. Well, this goes on for a gut-wrenching two hours, and then we discover Norman, outstanding citizen, Norman, respected by students and peers, Norman, loving husband and father, is a liar, an adulterer, and a murderer. When the movie ends, you're inclined to think that the script reader has tricked us. Realistically, a, a character really couldn't appear to be so wholesome, so genuine, so concerned, so loving, so sincere, and then turn out to be so something, something so very different. But then at the end of the movie, we discover title of the movie, What Lies Beneath. Well, the movie kind of leaves one with an unsettled feeling. But come on, no big deal. I mean, it's just an entertaining story. But here in Matthew chapter 27, verses, uh, chapter 7, verses 21 to 27, 
we find Jesus' words truly troubling words. They're unsettling words. Let me read to you from Matthew 7. Says Jesus, Not all people who sound religious are truly godly. They may refer to me as Lord, but they still won't enter, enter the kingdom of heaven. The decisive issue is whether they obey my Father in heaven. On judgment day, many will tell me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Go away. The things you did were unauthorized. Anyone who listens to my teaching and obeys me is wise. Like a person who builds a house on a solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on rock. But anyone who hears my teaching and ignores it is foolish like a person who builds a house on, the sa on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will fall with a mighty crash. Jesus is saying here that on judgment day, verse 22, many, many will tell me, Lord, Lord, and they'll say things like, we, we, we spoke on your behalf. We, we stood up against evil in our community. We were involved in, in many helpful ministries. Can you imagine the look of astonishment and horror on their faces when Jesus comes back at them? I never knew you. Go away. How could this be? How could these folk appear so devout, so genuine, so Christian, and hear the words from Jesus on that great and final day, go away? I find this scripture troublesome. You see, I find it, I find it easier to understand when people pretend to be Christians. I even have a better understanding of when people do the hypocrite thing. They know what they are doing, but uh, they're fooling no one really and not even themselves. But this, and here's the question I place before you today. I pose it for us all to consider. Here's the question. How can one go through life Believing they are a child of God only to find out on judgment day they are not. How can this be? What lies beneath? This is the question I want us to consider these next moments together. Now let me say before we begin to answer the question, it's not my intention today to rattle your faith. It's not my intention to undermine your confidence. It is not my question today to 
question your commitment to Jesus Christ. But it is my intention to have us all take a look at a troublesome scripture. And I wonder today, are there not some listening today, watching today, who are building on the sand perhaps and you do not realize it? So let's take a look now at Matthew chapter 7. And I see three things in these verses that answer our question. Let me state the question for you again. Here it is. How can one go through life believing they are a child of God only to find out on judgment day they are not? Here's my first consideration, first answer to that question. Here it is. I believe we all have a great capacity for self-deception. I take you back to verse 22. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we claimed your name. We fought evil. We worked for you. And they are, they are shocked. They are stunned. They did many good things. They were good people. And they really thought they were in. And yet they, they had deceived themselves into thinking they were among the redeemed and they weren't. And I suggest to you that we all have, we all have a great capacity for self-deception. I, I would even suggest it. I think it comes standard equipment on this model. My wife and I left Portland, Maine on a Sunday afternoon in mid-September, about 3 o'clock. This is a pre-COVID trip, obviously. We had traveled about 30 minutes when we felt led to stop at a Dunkin' Donuts. It was one of those Subway on one end and Dunkin' Donuts on the other shop. So we decided to hasten our trip on doing the drive-through thing. So we... We pulled up at the end of a, of a line of several cars in the drive-thru, and we were chatting and waiting. You know how the, the drive-thru thing works, uh, puts cars through rather quickly, but we sat for one minute, and then we sat for two, and when it got up to three and a half to four minutes, Without the car moving an inch, we began to wonder if someone up ahead had a really big order. Or maybe they ran out of coffee, or even worse, maybe they ran out of donuts. And then we noticed that the car directly ahead of us, there was no one in it. And, and then we looked at the car ahead of the car ahead of us, and there was no one in that. And then we began to look for signs, and sure enough, we were in the subway customer parking. We missed the signs. And we looked over here to our right, and there was a sign that said Dunkin' Donut drive through We really thought we were in the right lane, line, but we weren't. And I just tell you that to, to suggest to you that even in the little things, even in the little things in life, the, the human animal has a great capacity for self-deception. But when it comes to the big things, and I say the biggest of all things, of being in the family of God, you've got Satan doing his angel of light impression. 
He's hard at work deceiving and tricking people, pulling the wool over people's eyes, smothering legitimate doubts with words like, you're fine, you're fine, you're a good person. And I suggest that there's a clear and present danger for those of you raised as I was in the church, in a Christian home perhaps, and maybe you did the Sunday school and you did the weeknights kids program and you did the youth night thing and you heard the gospel and you sort of believed it in your head. And the danger is, I believe, that we kind we can be lulled to sleep thinking that you can kind of morph in to the kingdom. I'm a Simons. And my son, Brock, is my son, and that makes him a Simons. I'm a Christian. Brock is my son. That does not make Brock a Christian. Brock must repent of his sins for himself. He must himself put his trust in Jesus Christ. He must himself obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I do fear today, and I must say this, I fear that some, some in and around the church today are counting on a baptism that they were too young to remember, a confirmation that was little more than a dress-up ceremony, maybe a church membership, a walk to the front, a prayer repeated, facts learned, knowledge gained, good works completed, rituals performed, Knowledge gained about Jesus. I know a considerable amount about our prime minister, Justin Trudeau, but I do not know him, and he does not know me. But I know, I know Willow Ann. She's my wife. I know her. I love her. I'm in a lifelong relationship with her and she knows me and so my question for all of us today is do you know Jesus do you know him verse 23 then I will tell them plainly did you notice what Jesus told them he didn't say you weren't a good person Jesus didn't say to them that that you didn't do good works he said I never knew you well that day in Portland Maine we saw the signs and we pulled out of the subway parking lot and moved into the Dunkin Donut drive through we changed lanes do you need to change lanes let me give you three signs that you're in the right lane here they are these these three things are always present in those who know Jesus. Number one, there's always a genuine sorrow and a turning from sin. We call that repentance. Number two, there's always a trust in Jesus Christ alone to save them from sin. That's saving, that's faith, saving faith. And three, there's always an increasing Christ-likeness in, in character and lifestyle. There, there's an obedience evidence 
So are you a believer today? Now here's the second reason. That first reason was quite long. The next two, much shorter. Here's the second reason why I believe there will be folk one day that will stand at the judgment and face the horror of horrors. Here it is. People are inclined to affirm what they see in others or what they hear others say. Simply put, if you tell me that you're a child of God, you're a believer, I will take you at your word. And I take you back to the scripture. Verse 24 says, a person built his house on the rock. And two verses later it says, a person built his house on the sand. And I suggest to you today that a casual observer couldn't tell the difference in the houses. In verse 21, those who said to Jesus, Lord, Lord, obviously had been inside the church. They had been doing all these wonderful works. And apparently those around them, no one suspected that they weren't really children of God. Or at least no one pointed out their duplicity. They were apparently accepted as brothers and sisters. Why is that? Well, here it is. Verse found way back in the Old Testament. 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 7 says, Man looks at the outward appearance. God alone sees the heart. And so we affirm what we see in others. You know this story from my childhood? I remember it so well. The story of the wise man and the foolish man. I remember it being told on a, what we referred to in the olden days as a flannel graph board. Like mini Velcro it was. The 50s version, 1950s version of Velcro. And even as a child, the thing I recall about the story is when the teacher put the two houses up on the board, I remember even as a, what struck me about the two houses is the sameness of them. They looked the same. And when we gather in a church building, which I anticipate we will do very soon, and the service ends and we all stream out the door of the church, I would suggest that we all look quite Christian. We all look quite the same. Oh, yes, there are physical differences. Pastor John Sherwood on staff here and I share a name. But never once in the two years that I have been here as lead pastor have we been mistaken for each other. But my point being is that we, we all kind of look Christian. And so if you say you are, I only see the outward appearance. I affirm that. I take you at your word. But I see only the outward appearance. I built a cottage at Beulah Camp, Brown's Flat, way back in 1974. And most of you, you would notice, you wouldn't notice the difference if you walked by my cottage way back then than if you walked by it today. Back then, you might have walked by all those years ago and said, nice cottage, Pastor John. But what a difference between that cottage back in those days and today. In 1974, it sat on mud and clay and some gravel and mostly sand, and it was unstable. In 2001, I jacked it up. Well, actually, I didn't. I called in the master builder who's here today with us. And he put a cement foundation under it, and now that cottage is on the rock. But most people who walk by would never, no, never have really noticed the change. 
we affirm what we see in others. Let me give you one more reason why there will be people that will one day stand before God in total shock, and here it is. Number three, sometimes it takes a storm to reveal the truth. Sometimes it takes a storm to reveal the truth. Now take you back to the scripture. Though the rain comes in torrents, it, the house on the rock, won't collapse because it is built on the rock. When the rains and floods come, it, it the house on the sand, will fall with a mighty crash. Let me take you back to my cottage. In, in my cottage's pre-foundation days, before I put it on the rock, I would go down midwinter just to check on things, to see if the storms had done any damage. I could make a long list of what I found, a sag in the ceiling, the floors would snap and pop. One time I went down and the door was C-shut. Another time, another winter I went down, one door was sprung open and you couldn't close it and snow had drifted in through the cracks. You see it? The storm had revealed that she was built on the sand. And for those horror-stricken souls in Matthew 7, the storm... The storm that they faced was the final one, too late then to build a foundation, too late then to call on the master builder. But today, you still have time. I didn't know Bryce very well. He attended King's Church in St. John when I was on staff there about four years ago and one day I got a call from his daughter and she said dad is sick very sick would you come so I got in my car and drove to his home he was in bed it was obviously near the end his voice was weak <clears throat> and I said Bryce these are the words of Jesus Anyone who puts his trust in me will live even if he dies. And Bryce, in his weakened condition, smiled and said, That's the best news I've ever heard. Then I knew. Then I knew Bryce was on the rock. And the, the cancer storm only revealed the truth about him. Here's my question. Are you on the rock? Do you know it? The song was written back in 1983, written by Kai Fleming and Dennis Morgan. The title of the song was, In Times Like These. And, and the words speak, written in 83, but so relevant in 2021. In times like these, we need an anchor. This rock, we need to build our house on the rock, the song says. This rock is Jesus. Yes, he's the one. 
This rock is Jesus, the only one. Be very sure. Be very sure. Your anchor holds and grips the solid rock. Listen, listen now as Ruth sings it for us. In times like these, you need a Savior. In times like these, you need an anchor. Be very sure. Be very sure. Your anchor holds and grips the solid rock. This rock is Jesus. Yes, he's the one. This rock is Jesus, the only one. Be very sure. Be very sure. Your anchor holds and grips the solid rock. This rock is Jesus. Yes, he's the one. This rock is Jesus, the only one. I'm very sure. I'm very sure. My anchor holds and grips the Are you sure? Are you sure you're on the solid rock? Do you grip the solid rock? This rock is Jesus. Yes, he's the one. I'm going to ask you to do something. You folks watching today, come, come back to your host, Pastor. Would you do it right now? Just three words. Come on, do it now. Bombard him. There'll be so many responses to this. Come back to him and just say, I am sure. Are you doing it? If you are sure, if you're absolutely certain, why don't you send that message right now? Let there be so many. We'll have difficulty counting them all. I am sure. And then one final question. Here it is. If you cannot say, I am sure, then I urge you today to make sure and you can make sure you could do that you could do it right now it doesn't have to take a storm to reveal the truth maybe these past moments you realize I do not know for sure the Holy Spirit speaks to you just now and the master builder is right there where you are and right here with us and you can make sure by praying a prayer like this one. 
Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you died on that cross for my sins. You took the punishment for the sins that I deserve. And I turn from my sins. I repent just now. And I put my faith, my trust, solely, only in Jesus Christ. I do it just now. Forgive me for my sins. Come into my life. I will live for you and I will serve you all the days of my life. Dear Jesus, it's my greatest desire to hear you say one day, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joys that I've prepared for you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe you prayed that prayer today. Wouldn't this be a good time right now to come back to Pastor Mike Millars, who's our online host today, and say, I made sure. I made sure. I am sure. God bless you.